two sailors, not many years older than she, who sat behind her in the theater, growing more restless as the film progressed. They had apparently mistaken it for one of the Swedish pornographic movies then in vogue, and were impatiently waiting for the sex to begin. My life, then, had direction, a straightforward goal, a steady stream of vocational, aptitude, and intelligence tests had aimed me like an arrow at college but I was never asked to take stock of what would be required of me once I landed there, and this left me with the impression that life at college would be a continuation of what had gone before, four years in which I would read books and write papers and be rewarded by the encouragement of dedicated teachers. It never fully hit me that I would have to construct a life of my own outside the parameters of my family." When I arrived on the Bennington campus after a cross-country camping trip with my parents and sisters, I was not at all prepared to watch them drive away in the Volkswagen van en route to my father's two-year teaching stint at the Navy School of Music in Norfolk, Virginia. I could not conceive of how to proceed into the next moment, let alone an entire semester." One of the reasons I had chosen Bennington was that, though it had a few male graduate students in dance and drama, it was a women's college, and I assumed this would allow me to study free of the distractions and social failures I had endured in a co-ed high school. College has long been a place where young, middle-class Americans break out of the shell of adolescence, but leaping out of the provincialism of 1960s Honolulu into Bennington's aggressively au courant milieu would skew the process so badly for me that I retreated into myself for another four years. That my new Bennington friends often misread my shyness as poise, my reclusiveness as maturity, only increased my sense of isolation. I felt that there was no one I could talk to about waking every morning with a crushing sense of dread, unable to bear the thought of remaining at school. College was something I had strived and longed for, and yet I felt empty there, without resources. My distant parents, the two younger sisters with whom I had squabbled fiercely in a shared room until I was well into my teens, and even my older brother, who was then with the Peace Corps in Liberia, had taken my identity with them, leaving me a shell who was going through the motions but was not fully alive. I felt that I had died and began to consider other people dense for not recognizing this and for treating me as if I was still alive. One morning, in great distress, I rang the doorbell of the campus apartment of the admissions director. Finding me on her doorstep, blubbering with tears, She appeared surprised that a young woman who had confidently quoted Emily Dickinson, Soren Kierkegaard, and Albert Camus in her application essay was just a homesick adolescent. She invited me in for a breakfast I could hardly eat. She listened well, and then kindly advised me that the decision over whether or not to remain at school was one I might make on a trial basis every morning, in the hope that the way would be clear before me. Can I stay here one more day? Probably. Most likely. That became the mantra that got me through the next few months. Speed. What I have come to see as my quintessential Nick Carraway experience, one that replicated itself many times and in myriad ways during my time at Bennington and later in New York City, 
occurred during the first class of my freshman year. I had the good fortune to have been assigned to a literature course with a poet, Ben Bellet, whose passion for literature was surpassed only by his love of teaching it. Glad to be free of the strict dress and conduct codes of my prep school, I was pleased to find that class was to be held in the common room of a dorm, and the students, nearly all of us in blue jeans, could lounge on the floor or perch on window seats. I found a chair, and another girl took a spot on the floor nearby. Invigorated by Bellet's lecture, I was more intrigued than intimidated by the lengthy reading list he handed out. But I was distracted by my neighbor, who throughout the class chain-smoked, drank from a bottle of Coca-Cola, and ingested small white pills. When class ended, I asked her how she was feeling. She stared at me blankly, and I couldn't resist adding that I didn't think it was a good idea for her to be taking...